All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Arts for All Kentucky Stories. My name is Sam Kirby. I'm a registered uh, teaching artist with Arts for All, as well as the host of this podcast, Tech Assistant, um, and uh, a variety of other things with the organization. Um, we'd like to, before we get started with the episode, uh, thank the Kentucky Department of Education, Office for Special Education and Early Learning, and the Kentucky Arts Council. So, uh, now that we've gotten through uh, all of that, I'm excited to uh, welcome Mike Miller here with us uh, for an interview. Mike, kind of introduce yourself and your, your background to the organization. Uh, I understand you've been involved with it for quite a while. Yes, my name is Mike Miller, and I'm currently with the University of Louisville, uh, the College of Education and Human Development with uh, Kentucky Autism Training Center. Uh, I, before that, I was with the Kentucky Department of Education, and I was employed with them but th over 30 years and that's when I really where I got started with uh, at that time VSA Kentucky and uh, so uh, 30 years ago uh, Jenny Miller was the executive director and uh, asked me to serve on the board and it has been probably I've learned more from being on the board than I ever would through any other avenues uh, being being able to see young men and young women see how successful they can be expressing themselves through the arts, uh, building them self-esteem and being able to go out and, and be more productive in life. I guess in that, what was your initial draw to the organization? Um, did your kind of professional background kind of speak to the idea of making the arts accessible and kind of what drew you to the, the organization initially? Well, I grew up in Western Kentucky, which is, was very limited with the arts. And so when I moved to central Kentucky, I've exposed myself to a lot of the arts and knowing that young individuals probably throughout Kentucky and rural America have not been able to have access to the arts and seeing and seeing young people be able to that it's okay to, to, to paint. It's okay to sing. It's okay to dance. And that it's going to be that it proves who I am and it shows a part of me. And so that's really what drew me to was, was the kids. That's great. So over, over time, you've seen the organization probably evolve in a lot of different ways. Uh, so what, is, what has that been like? Oh, to see, I guess one of the, the ones that's been the most outstanding is the side-by-side artist program, which was being able to see young men and women develop a, a visual art with a professional artist, and then to be able to hang those in a, where they, the child produces a piece, the professional produces a piece, they do a collaborative piece. And being able to see them hanging that in a, a juryated, like, you know, setting, you know, to where it's like a, in a real gallery, you know, it's, it's a real live art show. And to hear these young men and women introduce themselves to people coming to look at the art going, I'm the artist. And to be, you know, you, you don't get to hear them, they identified with who they were. And I think a lot of that helped with being able to, to mirror those behaviors from that professional artist. What do you think that does for for that uh, person if it's an adult workshop or student? Like, what what do you think that does for them to, you know, be able to have a sense of ownership over this piece of work that they've created? Oh, I think it, it means a lot. It's just like I tell students every day. It's like if you don't dream, you don't accomplish. And you know, if you don't accomplish, you, you've never dreamed. And you probably won't ever accomplish every one of your of your your dreams but you won't know if you don't try. And so it's just rewarding to see them to be able to go out there 
And it puts me to a challenge because sometimes I catch myself thinking, I'll take the easy rate out. I don't want to deal with this. And thinking, I tell my students every day, you got to try. And so it puts, you know, do I go be a hypocrite or do I go to do what I should do right? It makes me do what's right. In those programs and one thing that we've we've learned and explored on this you know podcast program is that when you have a room full of you know your traditional students and then also the students with disabilities um and you kind of have them together but then there's like an art project in front of them all of a sudden it's like a level playing field like across the across the board, what do, what do you think about that? Idea? Well, one of the programs that I was involved with, uh, I guess the latest one I was involved with, was uh, working at the autism center. And one of the, the group of psychologists came to me and said, "We have a group of juniors and seniors that are go, say they can't go to their junior senior prom because one they can't dance, and two they don't have dates." Of course, that, that pulled my heartstrings. So we did a grant through BS uh, through Arts for All Kentucky. And through that grant, we did a we did evidence based practice to make to work on a skill which was mobility. So I had occupational therapists come in and check their mobility before we started dance, and then afterwards, which we had an increase of forty seven point seven percent of of our mobility skills. And they went to it was called Dance Alliance. And through my career as an educator, you're always used to begging for services, you know, you pick out your skin, you know, this is my story. And I went to Dance Alliance and young man and woman that owned the dance studio and I was getting ready to start my, my spiel. And he says, when do you want to start? I said, I don't have to beg you. <laughs> and he goes, no. So we did 15 kids of typical kid, atypical children, 15 with autism. Mm-hmm. And so they did eight, weeks of dance and uh we worked on uh, mobility we worked on uh independence and mirroring behaviors like two or three weeks going into the dance class i noticed the females were bringing in dance bags they were mirroring behaviors of the individuals that were atypical so they were picking up those good behaviors and being able to mirror those into what they were doing daily and they all felt confident about being good dancers and to be able to see them build their morale, see them smile, hold their shoulders up, and to be able to see that they have, they felt they they felt sure about themselves, and uh, so we, we we did that. And then Best Buddies was an organization we worked with for dates, and that worked out f- fabulous. And so we had fifteen young individuals that got to go to a prom and dance and have a date, and. Think how many other individuals out there that probably did not have that opportunity. That's great. I mean, is there for you in in your experience with Arts for All over the years? Is there um, sounds like that's a standout sort of you know moment? But are there any other moments that you can recall that really define what the organization is about? Something that you've witnessed or or heard of or big question i know but i mean well, what do you it, think? the leadership and then when delair delair who's the executive director of arts for all kentucky came in at a very disgruntled time because she she replaced jenny miller who'd been the executive director who passed away uh, who had cancer and and passed away and so we the board decided that delair was the perfect fit she had some big shoes to follow and but she stepped right in she was very 
programmatic. She was very on point of what she was doing. And that was probably the highlight of seeing Arts for All Kentucky turn around because her leadership made it successful. And she's been able to carry on what we had envisioned from the very beginning through Jenny, through on through that we have today with Arts for All Kentucky. What do you think is, has improved about the organization over the last 10 years or so? We have a stronger board. We have a board that's involved. And we have more community partners out there. Uh, that was one thing that probably was lacking in the beginning was having community organizations that were partners doing partnerships. And so Arts for All Kentucky is very good with having collaboration. Uh, Delaire does a great job of grant writing, of getting funds that come in besides, uh, you know, we get the Kentucky Department of Education, which we're very grateful for the funding we get through them. But we are getting some supplemental funds from other grants and being able to do some of those creative things that we probably wouldn't be able to do before. I think we're sitting here doing a podcast for Arts for All right now. I mean, to, I mean that's a, a, me sitting here right now is an example of a, I guess, a, well, my, my scenario is different, but a, a business partner, but also um, I'm also a teaching artist who's never had a residency. <laughs> I went through the whole process of, you know, shadowing and doing all the writing and kind of getting everything together. And then, you know, right about that time when I was starting to kind of seek out some opportunities, COVID happened and my role changed to being podcast host and tech help and making video workshops possible. Um, and so I guess that's that's something that, that that ability to kind of roll with things seems like that's something that's relatively recent, had to be recent with COVID to the organization. Oh, yes. And I have to say with Delaire's leadership through COVID, we were able to utilize our funds, be able to survive and and continue doing what we were doing. We uh, we really had we never lost a beat with what we were doing with arts. We had to change how we were doing programming, uh, a lot of virtual. Uh, a lot of, you know, not interactive, which that's the part that I think we, we miss the most is being able to work that one-on-one with an individual child. But, the, but, but everybody seemed to understand, you know, it's like, this is what we've got to do to be able to do these programs. And so it moved right along. But now I kind of hopefully overseeing brighter days ahead that we can get back and working with young children one-on-one and be able to provide that extra support that they need. There's a, you mentioned grant writing earlier and you were kind of speaking from, you know, Delaire seeking grants and, you know, grant proposals for Arts for All, but flipping that, like, otherwise, she does a pretty hands-on job of helping teachers and organizations do their grant writing. Is that something that has, has improved and why is that part of it so important? Is that something that people overlook? Just kind of the grant writing process and how that's changed. What's become a very important about that is for Delaire has been able to go out there and work with them on how to develop grants. Because if you work in the world of the arts, it kind of survives on grants. And so we develop in our process that they have to write a grant for like one of our uh, inclusive art programs. So they get that, getting that startup of learning how do you develop that grant, how you do a budget, and so that can carry through so that in the future, we're hoping to see that they don't have that anxiety of oh my goodness i've got to do a great proposal i don't know how to do it yeah you do you've, you've already done one and so it kind of puts the ease in it's a learning it's a learning tool absolutely i'm kind of 
feel like we're doing the interview out of order and that I can kind of, I, I usually try to think sequentially, but that's fine. I kind of like popcorn over to the different spots. <laughs> I never do anything sequential. <laughs> There's um, what I'm trying to gather, I guess, is from your, a little bit more about your professional background prior to, you know, then VSA Kentucky and what sort of, what sort of gap they were filling. If in the general education milieu, there was a, you know, a, a growing need and kind of a gap there for accessible arts programs to kind of further develop or kind of give me an idea of that landscape. Prior. Well, I started out in education. I started out as a middle school teacher and then I was a high school teacher and there was really zero, you know, to be able to, to get zero percent of getting any kind of the arts, unless the teacher went after it themselves. And, I was in a rural area, Kentucky. What a whole lot of arts to go after. What about, I guess, support or general engagement for like special education students? Was that also lacking at that point? Oh yes, yes. And uh, I've seen it grow and being able to do, you know, inclusive education with, you know, instead of the total pull out programs to where we've got kids that are, you know, I'm totally an inclusionary type person. I believe that you make success when you are with individuals that you can mirror behaviors. I like atypical and, 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 uh, kids with disabilities in the same area. Uh, it's just like when I did the arts or the dance program, I had people ask me, why did you do the arts, the dance program at the art studio? Why didn't you do it at the autism center? I go, well, would you go to an autism center to do dance? Well, no, <laughs> you go to a dance studio. And so it's also educating the public. What do you think is the, speaking of educating the public, what is, what is one thing that you think we can improve on getting across? That the, I guess the one thing that if I could improve would be that sometimes if you say someone has a disability, that people put, this is how far they can achieve. Never, never doubt a child how much they can succeed. Said, like when I work with parents daily, I said, never doubt how good your child may do because you will end up eating those words. I've got kids now that are being very, very successful. This is like I just had a young man that graduated from University of Louisville who has autism. He graduated with a 4.0 grade point average in mechanical engineering. And his freshman year had an expulsion hearing due to his behaviors. But this school year, he's in grad school. And after I had my award ceremony, which he got my outstanding senior award, he called me and he said, you know, I was homeschooled and I never really got the opportunity to be in the arts. And he said, I always wanted to be a marching band. He said, so I tried out for University of Louisville marching band and made it. Well, it caught me a little bit off guard because I know this kid frontwards, backwards and sideways. And I said, do you play an instrument? He goes, I do now. I go, well, what instrument do you play? He goes, the baritone. I said, oh, so you took lessons. And he said, no, I taught myself on YouTube for two weeks. And how he selected his instrument was he looked at every instrument that they would have at the University of Louisville Band. And when he marches on the field, a baritone has the least amount of pages to have to turn when they're marching on field. <laughs> so you fact he factored all of that into it. Factored all that into it. Wow. 
what do you think? I was about to ask when you, when you talked about kind of the before and he was going to have an expulsion hearing for behavior and then to being 4.0 top of class senior, what it was that contributed to that turnaround. So that arts opportunity you think was a pretty heavy factor there? That and being included in inclusionary models. We did nothing that was a pullout program with him at the university. I worked with him at student, his housing, like we had a housing program to where he was, he had his own bedroom and bathroom and so did two other atypical peers. And they shared a living room and dining room and kitchen, living room and kitchen. So he had interaction with atypical peers all the way through his college career. Uh, we worked on joining clubs, like we're building resumes. You have to join an academic club your freshman year, social club your second year, and third year you have to do volunteer work. His, 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 this yeah, same young man said to me when he was a freshman, there's no way I will be in a fraternity because he said that I was like very mindless. And I said, well, there's a lot of social clubs you could do besides being in fraternity. Then his junior year, he walks in my office one day and he says, I joined a fraternity. And I said, well, that's awesome funny, for funny socialization. What was the change of mind? He goes, I didn't join it for the reason you think I did. He said, I've got autism. I'm going to get in the job market. I've got to prove I've got social skills. 150 men asked me to join to be in their club. He goes, I'm social. I said, no, you're a genius. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to the arts, um, there's this idea between the idea of STEM and STEAM, right? And the, the A of STEAM being a, a crucial part of um, development for a student, whether typical or not. And so um, what do you have to say about the, the STEAM-STEM idea and the importance of keeping the arts there for all students? Because in, in, in my experience, I was a band kid, but I I don't do, you know, I'm not a band director or a music teacher at this point. I'm doing something entirely different. But the experience of doing that, I believe for me, made the education experience much fuller and richer and provided us kind of a social component um, and the ability to, you know, play on words, let off steam as well. So what do you think about? I think idea? it's a crucial part because when I have a freshman coming into my class, one of the first questions I ask them, hey, me, you were in marching band. And I won't see as many hands go up as possible. The reason they're organized, they follow direction, they know how to do hard work, and they are very, very you know oriented on time and being productive. Uh, it's something they learn. I'll never forget what one summer I was having a freshman coming in, and I called him and said, "I need to see you before school starts." It was in the July. I said, "So could you come in like July twenty second? Let's finish that up." No, that is band camp. You can't miss bank out, you know, and, but I thought, oh my God, to see somebody that that's instilled this program into these kids to be that dedicated to what they do. And it's, I like seeing that carry over because they're being able to, they have social relationships with kids in band. You don't look at whether you got a disability, or whether you don't, you look at who plays an instrument and who you play, what kind of music you're playing. And that's all that one really cares about. And that's really all we should care about in an educational program too. Seeing our celebrate our successes and celebrate it, and then work on our on our challenges that we have. So, am I right in assuming that, in a lot of ways, the arts has the ability to teach values in a way that maybe English or science might not. One hundred percent. The 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 arts can teach a child 
how what's being putting in, things up, being learn how to, to be very organized, being able to start a project, being how to end a project, and how to put closure to things. And sometimes I have students that come in and don't have any of those skills, and they didn't learn that through any academics. They learn it through the arts. That's great. What is your hope for Arts for All Kentucky in, into the future? Like what what's really exciting you about the organization now and then hopes kind of into the future for the organization? I'd like to see it expand uh we're all we're in all six congressional districts at this time but are we're not it's not 100 in every congressional district and i would like to see it expand to be able to go to make it more broad felt in those areas and that we get more interest more desire to be able to because once you get a school district enrolled doing one of the programs with Delaire, the next school year you're going to see them say have you got anything else that we could be involved in? They want to be involved. And I think it's sometimes it's just also building that assurance of that teacher that it's not that hard and not that difficult. Right. That's great. So kind of wrapping wrapping up here for, for those who, and regardless of perspective, whether they're a teacher, whether they're an artist who might want to get involved in the organization, uh, if you had to sales pitch them on, you know, if you'd met me for the first time and you found out, oh, I've you know, got the ability to work with students potentially and helping them create media projects. Um, what would you say to sell me on being part of the organization? I would say all you really have to do is to attend one one event that the that Arts for All Kentucky does have, and I think that will explain everything about what they do, what they accomplish, and what the outcomes are. Thank you so much again for tuning in to Arts for All Kentucky Stories. We're excited to share these different and unique stories about how Arts for All has impacted parents, uh, teachers, uh, and students themselves, as well as our communities broadly to make the arts more accessible. Uh, if you want to learn more about our podcast and stay tuned for some of our next releases, follow us at uh, Arts for All Kentucky on Facebook, and we'll keep you posted on our next releases. Thank you so much. And again, thank you to the Kentucky Department of Education, Office for Special Education and Early Learning, and the Kentucky Arts Council for making this and a variety of Arts for All Kentucky functions possible.